Good afternoon, everybody. I want to uh, uh, speak today on uh, metta again. I think you have already heard uh, several talks on metta. The subject is so deep and wide that uh, you no matter how many talks on metta are given, still it is not exhausted. It is so profound subject. I want to start today's talk with the Buddha who is an embodiment of uh, metta. I, not because I'm a Buddhist monk, following the Buddha's teaching for many years, but because it is true that the, in, in the Buddha's life, no matter how in what way you look at it, from what perspective, you will never find anything that he has said, done, I don't know what about his thought, however his thoughts, words, deeds are concordance, in agreement, therefore his thought, you never find in his thought, word or deed, that uh, is expressed in anger without metta, compassion. Since we all are following his teaching, it is better for us to learn something about his metta, which he taught us to follow practice. Probably you know that Buddha spent his uh, 24 hours in uh, serving the world. His day divided, night divided into three which you call watches, three watches, approximately each watch is four hours. And first watch he would uh, instruct monks, nuns, and lay people. Second watch he spent teaching them to deities, various kind of deities. 
third dochi divided into three from maybe two to four two hours he rested four to five or four to six maybe he meditated it is called maha karuna samapatti attaining the attainment of great compassion and then surveyed the world to see if there is anybody who needs his help who is in difficult problems then he went to that person or people and gave instructions how to overcome their difficulties and by listening to that the person not only overcame that person's regular mundane difficulties but also the person attained enlightenment no this means he was so compassionate full of metta that he hardly had only 2 hours rest of a day 22 hours he served the world served people this buddha therefore did everything for our benefit for our own peace and happiness one day buddha uh, asked venerable ananda ananda don't behave towards me like my enemy but behave towards me like my friend <clears throat> what does it mean venerable ananda was the buddha's personal attendant who served the buddha with living thought word and deed for long period of time it is said that when the buddha took 2 hours rest after all these hard days work when the balananda took a club and walked around his kuti <laughs> so so that nobody would come and disturb him he would not attack somebody with the club but he perhaps as a habit might have taken it so was his uh, love and respect towards the buddha and to that venerable ananda if the buddha said not to behave towards him like his enemy but like towards his friend 
there must be some deep meaning in that statement. So explaining this deep meaning, Buddha said, Ananda, behave towards me with friendliness, not with hostility. That will lead to your welfare and happiness for a long time. And how do a disciple behaves towards the teacher with hostility, not with friendliness. Here, Ananda, compassionate and seeking their well-being, the Tathagata teaches the Dhamma to the disciples out of compassion. This is for your welfare, this is for your happiness, his disciple, disciples do not want to hear or give ear to, give ear or extend their minds to understand. They err and they turn aside from the teacher's dispensation. Thus do disciples behave towards the teacher with hostility, not with friendliness. And how do disciples behave towards the teacher with friendliness, not with hostility, here Ananda, compassionate and seeking their welfare, the teacher teaches the Dhamma to the disciples out of compassion. This is for your welfare, this is for your happiness. His disciples want to hear and give ear and extend their minds, exert their minds to understand. They do not err and turn aside from the teacher's dispensation. Thus do disciples behave towards the teacher with friendliness, not with hostility. You see, the meaning is very clear. When he asks us to practice metta, he does not gain, he even is not living now. Even in his time, he has not gained anything from disciples practicing metta. We practice metta out of feeling of metta, and we who practice it are the ones who benefit from the practice of metta. And therefore, <clears throat> in order to make our own minds peaceful and happy, to gain even liberation, we follow metta practice. Buddha himself said, uh, 
మిత్తవ్యారీయోభిక్కు పసన్ను బుద్ధ శాసనే అధిగత్యే పదం సంతం శంఖారూప సమంసుఖం మెత్తవ్యారీయోభిక్కు అభిక్కు హూ లివ్స్ విత్ మెత్త పసన్నో బుద్ధ సాధనే హీ విల్ బీ ప్లీజ్డ్ విత్ ద టీచింగ్స్ ఆఫ్ ద బుద్ధ అండ్ దెన్ అధిగత్యే పదం సంతం సిస్ ఫుల్ ఆఫ్ మెత్త ప్రాక్టీసింగ్ మెత్త ఫాలో ద బుద్ధస్ టీచింగ్ విత్ మెత్త అధిగత్యే పదం సంతం అతేన్ ద పీస్ఫుల్ స్టేట్ దట్ మీన్స్ నిబ్బాణ సంఖారూప సమంసుఖం అపీసింగ్ సీసింగ్ సంఖార హీ అటైన్స్ లిబరేషన్ ఓ పీస్ హ్యాపీనెస్ వెన్ వీ ప్రాక్టీస్ మెత్త వీ అటైన్ పీస్ అండ్ హ్యాపీనెస్ a metta practitioner how can he attain peace and happiness and liberate himself from sankhara sankhara means our backpack for sankhara sansara journey if the sansara is a journey sankhara is a backpack that we carry for our provision on the way in samsara so this sankhara we minimize and eventually reduce by practicing metta so i like to this i like to uh, spend few more minutes uh, explaining how metta practice can lead to nibbana attaining liberation we practice <coughs> metta through skillful understanding we have to have a good understanding to practice metta it is not just talking about it in our thoughts words and deeds we must try to express our metta why it is because the because us as well as the rest of the world are full of suffering we practice metta because we have suffering we have practice metta to others because they have suffering so our purpose is to eliminate suffering <coughs> eliminate our suffering as well as others suffering the entire bodhisattva idea in mahayana tradition is based on metta 
even though we don't talk very much about bodhisattvas, we, all of us, without any exception, want to be liberated ourselves and we wish others to liberate. Liberate from what? Liberate from suffering. When we say we want to liberate from suffering, it uh, certainly implies that there is suffering. We all have it. Whether we like the word or not, there is, a, there is suffering. We may use different terms to express it, but whatever terms we use to express, we express the same meaning, same thing. So we practice metta to get rid of suffering, to uh, practice metta with the awareness, understanding that there is suffering. With the awareness of the cause of suffering, with the awareness that this suffering can be brought to an end, with the awareness of that there is a way, a method, a system to eliminate suffering and attain that goal. That means with the full understanding of the four noble truths, we practice metta. Otherwise, why do we practice metta? There is no reason for us to practice metta if there is no suffering. Suffering in us, suffering in others. Then we practice <coughs> right thinking. I may, you can, you might have inferred already that I am leading, I am trying to explain the noble eightfold path that we practice with metta. This entire teachings of the Buddha is based on metta. When Buddha said that there is suffering, a compassionate Buddha eliminated his suffering, he wanted to eliminate other suffering. That is why he spent so many hours a day spending, giving talks, instructions, and resting only two day, two hours a day. We practice right thinking with metta. Actually, the metta practice is right in the Noble Eightfold Path, in the right thinking. Sometimes you might wonder if metta is uh, so important, it should be in the main teachings of the Buddha. 
The main teaching is the Noble Eightfold Path and Noble Four Noble Four Noble Truth and Noble Eightfold Path. So metta practice is in Noble Eightfold Path. In the second step of the Noble Eightfold Path, second step is right thinking. What is right thinking? Right thought. Thought of letting go. Thought of letting go. Letting go of greed is very important factor because that is the cause of suffering. In Pali, it is called nekkamma sankappa. Thought of letting go. In other words, very technically we say thought of renunciation. Renunciation of what? Renunciation of our greed. The cause of suffering. And the thought of non-hatred. Avyapada sankappa. O avyapada vitakka. Avyapada means non-hatred, non-resentment, non-anger, letting go of non letting go of hatred itself is not enough. Once we let go of hatred, then we must replace it with something else. What is that? The practice of metta. When you practice metta, in in our thoughts, words and deeds, practice metta. That is the thought. It is called thought of non-hatred. Metta start with letting go of hatred and then in the place where metta, anger or hatred was, our natural metta seed begin to grow. By trying to practice metta to overcome anger or hatred is not going to work. It is just like putting the cart before the horse. When you have anger, you cannot at that moment practice metta. We have to do something to get rid of our anger. Various things are there. We have to select right kind of friends to uh, overcome our anger. So we have to be very careful about it. We don't try to justify anger. 
Many people are so accustomed to getting uh, angry or even developing grudge, hatred, and it is so, it takes roots in the mind and then they eventually get so used to hating others, it naturally comes to their mind even when they uh, drive to work, if there is a heavy traffic, they curse. They hate it, express their hate, just because of the traffic. And they enjoy that. And eventually, inside themselves, they burn. Any tiny little thing is enough for them to get angry. So, uh, when we, we must train ourselves to be patient. When we train ourselves to be patient, anger will not hurt us. We talk against anger, because anger is, or hatred, is not something beneficial to us, beneficial to others. It always hurts us, hurts others. And therefore, who, whenever somebody practices metta, that person try by all and every means to not to think something that hurts them. If you practice metta, you do not want hatred or resentment to bite you, to hurt you. Only if you do not practice metta, if you do not know metta, then you go on hating yourself letting hate eat you up. So, before practicing metta, just like in the Noble Eightfold, in the, the second step of the Noble Eightfold Path, right thinking or skillful thinking, first we have to let go of our hatred. Avyapada Sankappa and don't try to justify anger. It is not going to do any good to anybody. Sometimes uh, uh, you see your uh, child, those who have children, might know in as we all know our parents. Uh, what they did is not so much different from what we do to our children. When a child in front of you take a, a piece of uh, wood or metal and put into the mouth and uh, you immediately try to take it out the 
childhood uh, try to swallow it and it gets stuck in his throat. What would you do? You just uh, stroke on his head and kiss him and so forth? No. You put your finger into the mouth and make it crooked and hold that particular object and pull it out. When you pull it out, it may hurt the child. He even cries and his mouth may be may bleed and still you take it out of his mouth. Why? Because you love the child. Even though it is it hurts the child when you pull it out, your action may hurt him, the object may hurt him, but that compared to what could happen to him later is negligible. So you remove it. At that time, even though the child hurts, you do it because you love the child. You don't want the child to die. Similarly, when uh, we practice metta, with uh, great difficulties, we have to get rid of our anger. And then, just like after the child, after the object removed from the child's mouth, if it is bleeding, too much bleeding, you take the doctor and get some medication to stop bleeding and uh, cure the child. Similarly, when we try to get rid of our anger, it is not very easy. It is very difficult. And yet, for, the, for our own benefit and for the benefit of others, we try to get rid of anger. And then, practice metta. Uh, at the same time, when we uh, are upset or angry or uh, full of uh, resentment, uh, we don't try to blame others. By blaming others, we try to escape the problem. We must look at ourselves not in the sense of accusing ourselves, blaming ourselves. When we have uh, anger, we don't blame others, nor do we blame us. We try to see why I get angry. Perhaps I don't understand the situation. Perhaps I don't understand what is going on in the other person's life. Uh, perhaps I don't understand what sort of uh, uh, chemical or hormone is upsetting in me. I don't know. So sometimes uh, without having enough rest, uh, too much stress and so forth can cause anger. And therefore we try to find out those reasons to get rid of our anger rather than uh, trying to either blame us or blame others or uh, find some other excuses. Then, uh, in order to get 
rid of our anger, there also is another way, that is, uh, if we look at ourselves, ask ourselves, uh, are we grateful to uh, someone who angers us, someone who causes anger in us? Uh, Sometimes uh, uh, people are angry with their parents. At the same time, we must ask uh, the persons who, people who are angry with this, their parents, must ask uh, how much grateful I should be towards my parents who gave us life the most precious things. Nobody else could give us life except our parents and the trouble that they went through to bring us up and difficulties they underwent to educate us and so forth. At the time that we cannot do anything by ourselves, they were the ones who did everything for us as we all know. And therefore, instead of getting angry with whatever wrong things they do, we must be grateful. When we are grateful to them, our heart becomes soft and gentle and easily we can practice metta. So, we must... uh, Uh, cultivate uh, the sense of gratitude towards our, especially, uh, parents. And also, when we have wrong kind of friends, they can encourage us to get angry. That is why Buddha asks us not to associate with fools. Asevanaja balanam, panditananja sevanam. Don't associate with foolish people who not only do wrong things, but also encourage us to do wrong things, including uh, supporting getting angry. Choose right friends, good friends, Kalyanamitta, one who instructs, helps, Uh, encourage us to practice Dhamma, to liberate ourselves and others, to get rid of our anger, practice metta, live in peace and harmony. Those are the kind of friends we must associate with, not someone who may have some ulterior motive and can pretend to be friends, but they really are not our friends. Get rid of that kind of friends who do things to her, to encourage us to do her harmful things and associate with good friends. Then, when we practice metta friends, 
it is not very easy but when we are all alone find a very relaxed mood in your own life very very relaxed perhaps that time you sing a song in the bathroom to practice metta because only when you are totally relaxed you open your heart and at that time add your metta thoughts to your song make a song metta song meaning recite metta words make the metta word your song composite so that you can very easily sing that song any time you like to sing it uh so honestly sincerely try to feel when you say metta words and also in order to get rid of your uptightness frigidity anger hatred and so forth do some physical exercise walk easy easiest exercise is walk as long as you can irrespective of the weather walk and then relax when we walk i know it very well <laughs> because i do it every day not because of because of my anger <laughs> i don't get angry that easily uh but as a habit i walk that time you feel very comfortable because your blood circulation is very good you are very relaxed if you have anger hate you are hating anybody any time that time get out and walk and relax uh and then do some mental exercise what is the mental exercise good mental exercise meditate all this will help you to the to practice the second step of the noble eightfold path <laughs> what is the second step right thought right thought one of the right thoughts is getting rid of anger and practicing metta third right thought is practicing compassion avihinsa sankalpa avihinsa is non cruelty 
you know, when you practice non-cruelty or compassion, uh, it comes from metta practice. Of course, that we must start from our uh, childhood. Uh, as Buddha said, whatever we learn to do in the childhood, that remains in our life for the rest of our life. That is very, very true. Metta practice is one of them. Compassion is one of them. Long ago I wrote uh, an article called Crime Nursery, is the title of the article. Crime Nursery. Where is this crime nursery? Home. That is where you nurture your anger. Uh, Parents are fighting, using harsh words and uh, saying very nasty things and uh, abusing someone and so forth and so on. Children watch all this and they also learn how to do that. They do to their younger ones and then they spread it in the society. So, if we practice metta in our childhood, then as we grow up, it becomes a part of our life. It remains in us. Uh, Of course, now as adults we cannot become children. But we must remember how uh, relaxed, how friendly Uh, children were, or we were when we were children. So do this, some kind of things, in order to get rid of our anger and practice metta. Whenever we practice metta, remember we practice one of the aspects of the Noble Eightfold Path. That is the path we Buddha asks us to practice all the time to liberate ourselves from uh, suffering. Then we, 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 uh, we, we speak. We speak with metta. Whenever we speak, when we lie to somebody, what is our intention? Intention is to deceive the person, cheat the person, confuse the person, Cheating, deceiving, confusing somebody is unkind thing. If we speak to with the intention of confusing, we don't practice metta. If we speak with the intention of uh, 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 deceiving somebody, we are not practicing metta. So, we can speak the truth. If the truth hurts somebody, we wait. We wait and find a way to tell the truth and uh, uh, make the person feel comfortable. So, that is the metta 
practice. Uh, then, di- uh, divisive or divisive uh, talk, uh, what you call malicious speech, definitely is not kind speech. Uh, our speech should be friendly, timely, truthfully, and uh, meaningful and factual. Uh, when we do, when we include this, these components in our into our speech, then we do speak with friendliness, with compassion. Then <clears throat> harsh speech. We always expressed our anger, any criticism of anybody with the intention of hurting the person is not coming from love, loving friendliness, compassion. It is coming from hate or anger. Gossip. Uh, we may say various things, meaningless things, in order to pass time. At the same time, in these meaningless things, we may have uh, perhaps intention to uh, confuse others. And therefore, uh, meaningless talk also is not a part of our metta practice. So when we practice metta, our speech is right. Then our action is right. What is the action? Not killing. Killing is definitely not metta practice. Not killing is metta practice, leading to metta practice. Abstaining from killing abstaining from stealing, abstaining from sexual misconduct are metta practice or leading to metta practice. One who abstains from killing is one thing, positive thing is replacing it with metta practice. One who does not steal is one thing and then practice metta wishing uh, others to enjoy whatever they have. That, of course, is the mudita practice, appreciative joy practice, coming from the beginning of metta. And also practice of equanimity. Then, uh, Not uh, committing uh, uh, sensual misconduct is also leading to metta practice. That means we treat everybody with a loving, compassionate way without violating their uh, privacy, their honesty, their dignity, 
their respect. Anytime we violate somebody's honor, dignity, respect, we are not practicing metta. Abstaining from that leads to practice metta. Then, uh, right livelihood. <coughs> Nobody can practice right livelihood without, uh, uh, cannot practice right livelihood if the person has uh, uh, hatred, anger, and so forth. Uh, what are the right livelihood? Uh, this is a big question. Uh, I have detailed explanation in uh, one of my books called no, uh, Eight Mindful Steps to Happiness. Uh, many people these days find it, uh, try to find out right livelihood. Uh, that is not very difficult for someone if the person's mind is uh, uh, full of metta. The person does not deal with livestock, buying and selling, buying and selling weapons, buying and selling poison, uh, then uh, buying and selling uh, uh, harmful, uh, illegal stuff, and uh, cheating in measurements when uh, they sell something. And whatever means we use to live, if it is uh, not straight, direct, honest, that is called uh, wrong livelihood. So we abstain from such things. That helps us to keep our mind clear to practice metta. Then we make right effort. Right effort, number one is restraining. Sangvarapadhan. Restraining our senses from uh, abusing. Uh, that would hurt us and hurt others. And, uh, for instance, when uh, anger arises, that is not for our benefit. We must make every possible effort not to let that happen. Because from our experience, we know every time we got angry, every time we hate, we hurt ourselves. Very simple, common sense practice. So, we prevent that happening to us. Every time in the past we got angry, we were hurt. So we remember that experience not to let that happen again. That is called prevention. In spite of our very sincere effort, sometimes at unmindful moment, we might get upset, angry. 
because of the habit, samsaric habit, or previous habits, at that very moment, we must come to our senses, be mindful, be patient, and let that go. Let that anger or hatred go. That is overcoming effort. Then the next is arousing metta deliberately in our mind. Arousing patience deliberately in our mind. And then the fourth is cultivate, developing, encouraging ourselves, repeating it again and again to stay with the metta practice. As I said the other day, bhavanaya paripurya chandangjaneti vayamati viryangarabati chittampagannati. So, to develop, improve, increase, repeat metta, we can make it a habit. So, uh, by doing this with effort, mindful effort, we can practice it. But mindfully, we restrain ourselves, mindfully we overcome, mindfully we arouse metta, mindfully we develop and cultivate. So, right effort is to be cultivated with mindfulness and with metta. Then <coughs> we practice mindfulness itself. Samasati, right mindfulness. Right mindfulness is invariably wholesome mental practice, wholesome karma. In the right mindfulness, metta is there because we overcome our anger, hatred, and practice metta. And the last we uh, practice is right concentration. We cannot gain right concentration with anger in our mind. Especially uh, right concentration has uh, uh, explained or described in terms of attaining jhanas. Uh, jhana is a very uh, peaceful, settled, steady state of mind with good concentration. When we practice jhana, metta is the stepping stone to gaining concentration. As you know, among the benefit of metta practice, I think I mentioned, others also might have mentioned it earlier. When we practice metta, we gain concentration very quickly. Why and how? Because there is no resentment in our mind. 
for the for metta because of the metta practice everybody and everything is our friend we are their friends then when and when friends and friends meet what we expect peace not resentment not anger they are our friends we are their friends and friends and friends come together peace arises in our mind concentration arises in our mind so we overcome when we gain jnana one of the hindrances we overcome is anger avyapada or vyapada uh second of the five hindrances is anger so we overcome that and uh, we do not say angry word in our meditation in our jhanas when we attain the first jhana all our verbalizing speech stop speech stop at the first jhana second jhana our thought stop what are the thoughts thought of cruelty stop thought of anger stop because they already have we already have overcome them as hindrances uh and they are even their scruple of thought will not arise in the second jhana that is why metta we feel metta i said we practice metta in words and thinking verbalizing thinking and feeling now when the thinking of anger disappears thinking of metta becomes uh, active and even that uh, that thought of metta turn into the feeling in the second jhana so in the second jhanic stage you feel that you are amongst friends everybody is your friend that feeling you have along that feeling a great joy arises and that even that would be overcome in the third jhana when you attain the fourth jhana even that joy is no longer there equanimity begins to emerge develop and getting pure in the attainment of the fourth jhana so in the fourth jhana equanimity and mindfulness both become very pure and clean so when we practice metta you gain very powerful concentration where all you feel is peace and therefore uh, metta practice 
is not limited, is not one single practice. It is a practice whole complexity of practices. Uh, especially the Noble Eightfold Path, we cannot practice without metta. Uh, because we must understand suffering, our suffering and others. So, that is why I said entire teachings of the Buddha is based on metta, living friendliness. Uh, even the entire Noble Eightfold Path is called uh, Brahmacharya. Brahmacharya. Uh, Brahmacharya means holy behavior, noble behavior, pure, clean behavior. The steps to uh, follow to liberate ourselves from suffering. That is why when somebody attains full enlightenment, he said, Vusitang Brahmacharyam. I have lived the holy life. What is the holy life? The life of Noble Eightfold Path. The one who has practiced the Noble Eightfold Path. Brahmacharya, in other meaning, is celibacy. The widest meaning of Brahmacharya is the practice of Noble Eightfold Path. The word Brahma is used for uh, noble, holy, pure, clean. That is why it is called Brahma Vihara. Metta, Karuna, Mudita, Upeka, loving friendliness, compassion, appreciative joy and equanimity, all put together and call it Brahma Vihara. The noble behavior, sublime behavior. Uh, Vihara means uh, dwelling place. Uh, Brahma Vihara means the place where holiness, purity dwells. That means that begins with metta. And therefore, <coughs> uh, the entire Noble Eightfold Path is called Brahmacharya. Brahmacharya, the noble or holy behavior. So when one attains full enlightenment, he said, "I have lived the holy life. I have done what was to be done. There is nothing more for me to do. What was to be done?" the practice of Noble Eightfold Path. The person has practiced it and attained that state and say and declare to himself, I have lived a holy life and pure life. There is no more to do. Friends, with this, I like to conclude today's talk. I don't like to talk too long because uh, uh, not only I get tired, uh, secondly, I don't want to bore you out. When we give too long talk, people fall asleep. Uh, so, 
This is enough. And I hope you enjoy your retreat. Thank you.